Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School Class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Yeah, the first time I taught this class was Father's Day, June 16th, 2013. And that was right after my dad died on May 24th of 2013. And then the last time I taught this class was June 21st, 2015. And much like that time when I spoke from Romans 8, your premier predestination destination, uh, it's possible that I have bitten off again more than I can chew, and then the message, of course, has in turn been chewing on me through this past week again. And kind of funny how when we hold our lives up to the light of God's Word, it really makes the darkness stand out. So if you have been called with the gift of teaching, don't turn your back on that, because you will learn a lot. You always will learn a lot in preparation. But... I don't want this to be my words this morning. I truly want it to be God's words, so let's turn to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this morning, for bringing us here safely, and for Father's Day and for our fathers, Lord. And I pray that you will guide this time together. May this be a useful time, not empty words. May your spirit minister to us, Lord, and may we go from here encouraged. Bless this time, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So a few months ago, I'm out working in the garage, and Megan comes at a fast pace in through the garage past me. She's like, Dad, there's people up and down the street selling stuff again. So there I am. And for those of you who have been to the annual St. Patrick's Day extravaganza at the McGarvey's, uh, you already know the layout of our street. For those that have not been there, let me explain it to you and invite you to the next one in 2017. Uh, We're on Woodstone Drive at the end of the cul-de-sac, top of the hill. Uh, It's not a cut-through street. It's not a shortcut to anywhere. And the people that come up our street are either our neighbors or friends of our neighbors or essential services to the homes that are there, like postal service, and you've got your garbage collection, recycling, and heating and air people, Uh, the occasional police officer, more so when we were doing foster care, but that's a different story for another time. Um, and then there's that rude neighbor that hauls his boat and turns it around for me to just watch that thing go by. That, anyway, um, these people come up the hill, and generally speaking, they slow down, and they turn around. But on this day, this strange car pulls up in my driveway. And Darla... You can probably relate to this one, that uh, my alert level has gone up. They're in my driveway, right? So my alert level has gone up, and defense mode has kicked in, right? And I've got tools in my hand. I'm working in my garage. And I'm thinking, what other tools do I have access to? Like maybe the nail gun, you know? And so I'm on 
I'm on my guard, and two men get out of this car. And it's actually, it's a, it's a father and son. And they've got the white shirts on, and they got black ties on. Who am I talking about? There you go. Jehovah's Witness. Yep. Look like men in black on casual Friday, right? <laughs> so, yeah, now this is not my first experience with the Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? Let me take this back a bit, set it up for you. I grew up in northern Indiana. And when I was a kid, well, when I was a kid, my parents moved around a lot. Now, I always found them, but they moved around a lot. And one of the places that we settled in uh, is, I, I think it was like second or third grade we moved here, um, and it was pounded into me, right? Um, so my parents were like, if you ever get lost and police have to bring you home, you're, they're bringing you to 69510, County Road 15, Route 1, New Paris, Indiana, 46553. There we are. Boom. Okay. Did I go too forward? There we go. Okay. Here. This is us. And this is the barn. There used to be a chicken coop here, which was older. It was old when I was a kid, so they took that down. This is a recent picture. We got a shed back here. Beyond this, fields, 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 house, garage. So they pull up here. And you got to know from the layout of the land here, okay? So this whole thing is set up on a mile grid, okay? So here's County Road 15. Here's our neighbors. Um, Charles and Kathy Raymer, I, uh, my first job was milking cows with them. Um, I was 12 years old, out in the barn, 5.30 in the morning, milking cows, right there. So it was about a half mile between us and the neighbors, and about a quarter of a mile is just our driveway. Mm -hmm. So you get there. So I'm either riding a bike or we had a moped, and I'd go over there. And this is Indiana, so we had winter. And so 5.30 in the morning on a moped is not fun in the winter. Um, now this is, we moved from there when I was moving, into, uh, when I was going off to college. Uh, we were always told that the, uh, the landlord's uh, grandsons, when they grew up and got married, that they would be uh, taking over the different houses in the area. So this is Stephen Raymer and his family and five kids. And his brother Rodney lives over here. Uh, Charles and Kathy, that's their aunt and uncle here. And then these are the Fervidas, and then it goes on up the road. But, um, so... We're out in the country, and geographically speaking, when somebody shows up at your door there, they weren't just walking by and just kind of pop in. Yeah, we were coming down the street, and there you were, you know. So we, uh, we had kind of a defense system on this. We had a doorbell. Um, our doorbell was a little bit different than your doorbell. Your doorbell is probably attached to your house. Our doorbell is here. So there's this drainage ditch, right? There's a creek going down there, and there's this bridge. And it's uh, steel and wood. And anytime somebody would drive over it, made this loud noise, let us know somebody was coming. So that was kind of handy to have. Most of the time, it was people we knew. But sometimes you get surprised. And uh, not only did we have the doorbell, uh, we had a dog. Now, we had a unique dog. This, this dog. And, and Jim was helping me with this last night. He's like, oh, my word. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's this German Shepherd Irish Setter mix. A pretty dog, except when it would do one thing, and that was smile. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just soak that in a little bit. 
<laughs> no, it's a great dog. I mean, this, the, apparently that breed, the Irish setters, they smile. That's what they do. And, and so the, with this one, we could go, hey, Duffy. <laughs> and he would go like that. <laughs> His little stubby teeth and, and just, you know. He's smiling. He's having a good time. So when the men in black ties showed up at our house, um, Duffy goes out and greets them with a smile. He's just sitting on the ground, tails, tails wagging and everything. You know. And uh, so we, we watched this going on from the window, and these guys never got out. They just sat in the car, dog sitting there, you know, and they just drove away. So, I mean, Duffy was a great dog. Great dog. Love that dog. Um, but, you know, if you don't have a doorbell halfway down your drive and you don't have a dog that's, um, you know, what do you, what do you do when the men in black ties show up at your door? And uh, George isn't here today, is he? Because I was asking him about an ad for this most recent episode happened. I said, George, what, what do you do? And he gave me an answer that, well, I mean, we came to later agree that, you know, George, that would probably only be effective for a select few of us in this room and might not cause the desired effect that we were really looking for. And he was like, yeah, you're probably right. So, again, I had to ask myself, without advance warning or a smiling dog or answering the door in your underwear, what do you do when the men in black ties show up at your door? And... That's where I go to my tie, which says the answer is more power. Now, this tie references, okay, home improvement, right, Tim Allen. And many times his answer to the question was, you know, we're going to get that thing for more power. <laughs> He's talking about physical power. He's talking about electrical power. He's talking about firepower. He's talking about man-made power. But I'm talking about today the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the answer to this question, I find, is more power. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And also in dealing with this situation, we read in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Hold him special. Hold him up holy. Regard him. Revere him in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So now this being Father's Day, I wanted to share with you from the many lessons that my dad taught me, and he always knew how to get my attention on this. He would start with, son, someday you're going to need to know how to do this. So when Megan shot by me in the garage and these men got out of the car in my driveway, I remember what my dad taught me. And the first thing he said was, first off, they don't get in the house. So the Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult that started back in the 1870s by huckster Charles Taze Russell. And as such, it is counterproductive to have them breach the perimeter of your home and share their false message. So the term cult, does it sit a little harsh with you there? Um, it shouldn't. In many cases, though, today we have this, this uh, you know, supposed tolerance. And what it turns into is tolerance for anything but the message of Christ is what it is. Um, 
But what does the Bible say about this? Uh, in Ephesians 4, And he, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here it is, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now, let me show you some cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. Okay, so Jim and I, we're at his house last night, we're putting the, the slideshow together, and he comes across this message in his inbox, and it looks pretty legit. <coughs> Except that he was like, wait a minute, I don't have this account, what are you talking about? Sign in for the next 30 days, you'd like to keep your account active. You know, thanks and have a great day. Seems all real. It even got past Yahoo's own spam filter to get to his inbox, right? But then if you look over here, it's yahoo-inc.com, not yahoo.com. So somebody with some cunning and craftiness has put this thing together. And if you respond to this in the way that they want you to, you're probably going to lose your privacy. You're probably going to download a virus. It gets onto your computer. It probably crashes your computer. It downloads to other people's computers that are on your contact list. It crashes theirs, too. It's kind of a bad thing. Okay? But we're talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're talking about a little something worse here. Okay? Computers, you can replace. This is your eternal soul that we're talking about. So what are we called to do in this instance? Let's read the rest of the passage, uh, starting with that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's all about Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So looking at speaking the truth, what do we find about the Jehovah's Witness? Um, and Matt Slick, in an article in the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, says, he answers the question, is the Jehovah's Witness religion Christian? He says, the answer to the question is, no, it's not Christian. Like all non-Christian cults, the Jehovah's Witness organization distorts the essential doctrines of Christianity. It denies the deity of Christ, his physical resurrection, and salvation by grace. These make it non-Christian. In addition, to support its erring doctrines, the Watchtower organization, which is the author and teacher of all official Jehovah's Witness theology, has altered the Bible to make it agree with its changing and non-Christian teachings. The Jehovah's Witnesses consider themselves to be Christians because they believe they are serving the living and true God. Like many cults, they think they're the only one true church on earth, yet they deny the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' physical resurrection, and salvation by grace through faith. 
So that's the first lesson. Don't let them in the door. Speak the truth. Know what you're dealing with here. Know that you're dealing with a poison, a counterfeit, that seeks to get its way into your home and your souls and your kids' lives. But the speaking the truth and love part, the second part of what Dad taught me, he said, prepare to engage and direct the conversation so that the truth will come out and shed light on this unbeliever so that they, like when they're coming to the end of my street, could possibly get turned around. So he told me the answer to the question, hey, do you have a few minutes for us to talk is, sure, let's talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I did. And before I tell you how that went, uh, let's just kind of review. This is not new to this class, although it's been a while. October of 2014, Jim taught um, from Grudem on the Trinity. And in November of 2015, he expanded on the work of the Holy Spirit. So I just kind of want to recap those lessons real quick. Um, so the person of the Holy Spirit from October, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is one of the three members of the Trinity. And commenting on this, Bill Bright, the uh, co-founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, says, um, talks about his uh, seminary experience. He says, Dr. Wilbur Smith, one of my seminary professors, once shared this in class. The man who denies the Trinity will lose his soul. The man who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, David Guzik was dealing with a particular passage in the New Testament. He says, while there is no explicit statement of the Trinity, it's woven into the fabric of the New Testament. And I would add that for the context, the whole Bible, uh, that we find the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together as equal yet distinct persons. In Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says, when he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came immediately up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And later in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, it says, and this is the Great Commission, um, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then there's John 14, uh, 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He will teach you all things. Now, if you get nothing else today, write down in your notes that he is not an it. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. I like this reference from Luke 135 because it harkens back to something else. Uh, this talking to uh, Mary, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One is, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, the overshadow here harkens back to a word in Genesis, um, where the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. Um, and the original, I can't pronounce it, but what it speaks to is a brooding, like a hen sitting on a nest, 
we're going to make something hatch here, is the idea. So the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary, we're going to make something hatch here. We're going to make something, something's going to happen. Okay? Same thing within cre- in the creation account. The Holy Spirit is hovering, brooding over the waters. We're going to make something happen here. The Holy Spirit was present in the beginning. The Holy Spirit is God. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity, and he is not an it. So Jesus says in John 16, 13 through 15, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, and this speaks to the work of the Holy Spirit too, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from God, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So from that lesson, we learned that God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. And from that study further, we Jim summed it up that... Uh, the way you explain the Trinity is that the Father plans, the Son executes, and the Spirit sustains. So let's talk about the work of the Holy Spirit quickly. Um, from November of 2015, the Holy Spirit empowers. He gives life. Remember we talked about where the Spirit goes, life follows. Okay? Um, the guy in my driveway pulls out this reference from Job. And he calls, he pulled it out of his... New World Translation is, is what Jehovah's Witnesses use. But I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James, because I don't think we need to give that thing airtime. Um, Job 19, 25 through 26. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Well, I've got another Job passage for this guy, and I'm not sure how he'd feel about it. But I think I might know. Job 34, 14 through 15 says, If he, God, should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. The spirit sustains. That is the work of the spirit. And he gives power for service. We talked about when the spirit comes on you, he'll give you power to be witnesses to Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He also purifies. He cleanses us from sin to sanctify us or make us more holy in the actual conduct of our life. He unifies the church, the global body of believers, and he reveals God and he reveals the Son. He reveals the will of the Father to us. Uh, In Revelation, we find the revelation that he gave to the prophets and apostles. Uh, we find that uh, the evidence of God's presence, the Spirit, shows us that. He guides and directs God's people. And he provides a godlike atmosphere when he manifests his presence. He teaches and illumines. He gives us assurance. And this, so last year I spoke on Romans 8, and it was too much. There was just too much in there to cover. And when somebody, men in black, show up, men in black ties show up to your door, um, I would suggest Romans 8. Uh, but Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And Grudem wraps up that part of the lesson on this. He says, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world, and especially in the church. After Jesus ascended into heaven, and continuing through the entire church age, the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity among us. He is the one who is most prominently with us now. He's not to have the preeminence. All that belongs to Jesus, but the Spirit points us to him and points us to glorify God. That's the work of the Spirit. So what's the end of the story? So the father in this situation, you know, I said, let's talk about the work, person and work of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, you know, we don't actually believe the Holy Spirit's a person. It's more of God's active force. And I told him, I said, well, by the Bible I read, we are never going to reach agreement on that. I said, there's just too many references to go into. It's all throughout the Bible. We are not going to reach agreement on that. The Holy Spirit is a person at work in the world today. So he was kind of put off by that for some reason. And um, he asked how many times, you know, he says, well, you referenced the word here. How many times have you read the Bible thinking he's got me? You know, and I'm, I said, well, honestly, you know, I'm kind of a rookie at this one. I've only read the Bible through five times. And this year our whole church is working, you know, so I'll get my sixth this year with the whole church working on reading through the Bible. And so he seemed a little bit more put off by that. And... Um, he said, well, you know, do you believe that man can live again? I said, absolutely. But again, that's another work of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what he does. And the way, that, you know, the way that all happens is not something that you and I are going to agree on. And that's when he went to Job, and he gave that quick little reference there. And he said, isn't that a great verse? And what a promise. And, da, da, da. and he handed me a little tract with the Watchtower's website and information, all that, says, any questions you got, just go right there, you know, and that was it. And they got in the car and they left. And I was happy. <laughs> and, uh, but it stuck with me. I was like, oh, what do I do with that? Because I, I was kind of feeling bone deaf the interaction. Uh, one of the things that got to me and that you haven't heard yet is this guy's name, the son's name is Caleb. And so I have a friend in my life who has a son, Caleb. And I see them lead their lives completely different. And it's a warning to us. It's an encouragement to us. And in this case, the guy in my driveway, a warning to us. And so if I'm teaching anyone in here, it's myself, but I'll let you into the conversation. Um, I wanted to leave him with more. But at the same time, I reminded in the scriptures that not everyone that comes down your street is going to turn around. There's a deep indoctrination that goes on in the Jehovah's Witness. There's a brainwashing process that goes on. They're very aggressive about it. And so, yes, be in the Word. Sow the Word anyway. And go to Romans. Pull out John. Hit him hard. But not everybody's going to turn around. Not everybody that comes down your street is going to turn around. Uh, the second point I learned from that one was be ready. You know, how can you sow the Word if you don't know the Word? So be in the Word. Read through the Word. Know what it says. Be in prayer. Be, be in accountability with somebody. Have somebody that is going to be holding your rope. 
and then you're going to hold the rope for them. And then the third point I got, got from it was, fathers, it is possible to teach your children the wrong things. So be very careful. And it's not just in what you say, it's in what you do. And they're watching you. And so they see laziness, or they see disconnection, and they see impatience, and they see how you drive. So I'm currently teaching our oldest son, Matthew, how to drive, right? And yeah, I'm, I'm teaching him my technique for the speed bump thing. I'll just tell you right now. Because it is smoother. That's right. Mad props. All right. So, but he's very observant, right? So when he's driving, you know, and, and you know, sometimes Dave, Barbara, and I, we drive in the flesh. And, um, you know. Hey, get there. Yeah. We get there. Absolutely. But Matthew will sit there, so if he's not driving, right, he'll look over at me, he's like, hey, Dad, that's a nice turn signal you used just there. And I'm like, stop it already. You know? <laughs> like, there was no one around. I was changing lanes. Wow. <laughs> 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 uh, well, before it goes too far, we probably ought to put some scripture back in this, okay? Um, <laughs> Galatians 5, 16 through 26 says, I say then, you know, what do you do? What do you seriously, what do you do? And he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Where's that? Yeah. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, da 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 Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's your memory verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that's not just a one-shot deal. That's something every day, crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Is that what I mean? Yeah. So I have the Holy Spirit in my life, and I have my wife, and each of them speaks to me with words from God. And often it's not something I necessarily want to hear, but it's always good for me. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Praise the Holy Spirit. Be thankful today. And lean in and pray at your tables and you're dismissed. Happy Father's Day. 